Today on From His Heart, we'll find out how to live in a wicked world. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. God is grieved over sin. It hurts him. Now, I want you to think about this. If God is grieved when he looks out on the masses who did not know him, and he's grieved in his heart, it pains him in his heart to see them living sinful lives, how much more when he sees his own children, those who claim the name of Christ, and you're living a sinful life. He can heal every scar with real truth, real love, real from his heart. When you look around, does it seem as though evil is overcoming good? Do you find yourself becoming increasingly numb to the tragedies and travesties occurring around the world at a breakneck pace? In Noah's day, the world looked a lot like today. Back then, God was grieved and forced to pass judgment. And we're to be sure God is grieving right now over those who have turned from Him. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who today has a no-holds-barred message that we'll hear entitled, A World Gone Wicked. And in it, He details the key similarities and poses a rather difficult and uncomfortable question. Are you somebody who is also grieving God? The message is part of this timely seven-lesson series that we're in, The Days of Noah, which is also part of our thank you gifts for your support of any amount from his heart this month. I'll tell you more about that later, or you can find out more when you go to fromhisheart.org. Now, though, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 6. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve to explain the consequences we all face living in a world gone wicked. Hey, what do we learn from Scripture about the days of Noah? If you have your Bible, please turn to Genesis chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse 1. Now, it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. What do we learn from Scripture? about the days of Noah. Three discoveries I want you to notice with me. Discovery number one, the devil is hard at work during the days of Noah. After the fall, God promises a savior. Genesis chapter three, verse 15, in the Good News Bible, the Lord says this, I will make you and the woman hate each other. Her offspring and yours will always be enemies. Her offspring will crush your head and you will bite her offspring's heel. The serpent did that to Jesus on the cross. But Jesus is gonna conquer death, hell, and the grave and he's gonna crush the serpent's head. 
And that happened when he rose from the dead. And so in Genesis chapter three, right after the fall, God promises a savior. And the devil works after the fall to thwart the promise. He wants to thwart God's promise. Why? Because if he can thwart the promise of God, then God becomes a promise breaker. If God becomes a promise breaker, what do we call people who break promises? Liars. If God becomes a liar, then God becomes a sinner. And if God becomes a sinner, God can't be God anymore. He can't be holy God because now he'd be tainted with sin and God would topple from his throne of holiness and the devil would win and heaven would shut down. And then we hit Genesis chapter six. And Genesis chapter six is a very, very confusing passage of scripture, very interesting passage of scripture. I want you to look at it again. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. What is this talking about? Because then it goes on to talk about the Nephilim and Nephilim, another word for that is giants. The Nephilim, that word means to fall. These are fallen creatures. It's translated giants because they were mighty, but they they were fallen ones. And I think that angels, men opened their lives up to, to these fallen angels, to these demons, and they were empowered by these demons, and they went after these women who were eyes wide open, knew what this was going on, and they wanted to have some kind of unholy triangle between man, woman, and the devil. But regardless, here's the issue. The devil was trying to pollute the race. Because if he can pollute the race, then Messiah can't come. Now there's an interesting passage in 1 Peter chapter three. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now watch this. In which also... He went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. It says, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during which the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. The Bible says that God took those demons, not all of the demons, but he took those specific ones and he put them in bonds. And then he rises from the dead and then he goes to that prison and he makes proclamation to those spirits now in prison. What was the devil trying to do? He was trying to thwart the promises of God. If I can pollute the race, then the Messiah can't come. But here's the thing. Okay, the flood comes. Only eight people are saved out of the seven billion people. Only eight. The devil thinks that he has the Lord right where he wants him. He is polluting the whole race, but God always has a remnant, and God saved Noah, and from Noah, the Savior came, and I think when Jesus came up out of the grave, he went to those spirits now in prison, those angels who left their proper abode and mixed with those men and mixed with those women to try and pollute the race, and he said, in your face, Jack. You thought you could thwart the promises of God? You cannot thwart the promises of God. Second discovery is man goes from innocence to the depths of depravity. That's how God created man. He was totally innocent in the garden. 
He wasn't declared righteous. It's different to be righteous, declared righteous by God versus being innocent. Adam never sinned, so he was innocent. But the righteousness of God had not been imputed to him. That happens to a Christian who receives Christ. A Christian who received Christ is justified before God, just as if you've never sinned. Well, Adam had never sinned, but he was capable of falling. He was capable of losing his relationship with God, and that's what happened to him. And he goes from innocence to his eyes being opened to falling so far. You know how many years it was from the time of the creation of Adam until the flood Sometimes we think, you know, because we're influenced by evolutionary thoughts. So we think, well, it had to be uh, probably, I don't know, billions of years or something like that. When you take the geological record in the Old Testament, you will find this. 1,656 years from the creation of Adam until the flood. 1,656 years. Now, God said in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, that his spirit would not always strive with man, yet his days shall be 120 years. So when you back out 120 years, when we read these things in Genesis chapter 6, that's year 1536. It's been a little over 1,500 years, and the world has gotten so wicked in that period of time. And what makes it even more startling is there are two guys who lived, overlapped their life in that 1,536-year period, in that 1,656-year period, two guys. Adam lived to be 930. Methuselah, he lived to be 969. Those two guys were contemporaries. I mean, when, when, uh, Adam, when Methuselah was born, I wrote this down. I thought it was kind of cool. Adam was 687 when Methuselah was born. Methuselah is Noah's granddad, and Noah's dad is Lamech. Adam was 874 when Noah's dad was born, Lamech. I mean, those people knew Adam. They could, you could go talk to Adam. You want to know what, it, hey, Adam, I mean, I wonder what it was like back in the day. We just talked to Adam. He was there. He's the first guy. You could go talk to him. And Methuselah, he lived, boom, until the day of the flood. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. Enoch was the man who never died. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. Interesting thing about Methuselah, his name. His name, I mean, have you ever heard a name, Methuselah? It's like, uh, let me, let me, what's a baby, good baby name? Well, Jack, Jim, Methuselah. I mean, you wouldn't come up with that one. That's a bad name, right? His name is significant. His name means it shall be sent when he is dead. What shall be sent? The flood. Destruction of man, it shall be sent when he is dead, and he lived to be 969 years old. He was the oldest man who ever lived. Little joke about Methuselah says the oldest man who ever lived, who died before his father did, was Methuselah. He died before his father because Enoch never died. Enoch went straight to heaven, didn't taste death. But here you have these two guys, and so you can know what's going on if you lived in the world at that time because the eyewitnesses were there. And the world in that 1,656 years, or if you back out the 120, then it's just the 1,536 years is so wicked. There's a population explosion, and there's all this wickedness going on with demons, and the people are welcoming in the demons into their lives and into their unions. And it says in verse 5, then the Lord saw 
that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God saw it. Now, he knew it, but now the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good, but then the Lord really focuses in and says, this is what the world is. It is wicked to the core. The wickedness of man is off the chain. And God saw that. And there is no redeeming man. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let that sink in. That's what God saw. It says in the God's word translation, all day long their deepest thoughts were nothing but evil. That's what God saw. What do you do with that? There's no raw material to work with in that kind of a heart. And that's what God saw. Wickedness off the chain. And the world is characterized by two things during the days of Noah, vice and violence. Vice and violence. Say, what is vice? Vice is immorality. And sexual immorality was rampant during the days of Noah. And people are sinning right and left and they're not thinking a thing about it. They don't care what God says. They don't care uh, what God had orchestrated, what God had designed. Scripture says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall this coming of the Son of Man be. It says, Jesus also said, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, what do we recognize about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, Sodom and Gomorrah had given themselves over to sexual immorality, namely homosexuality. And that was rampant in Sodom and Gomorrah. And there are two instances in the Bible where God brings total devastation, where he blots people off the face of the earth in the days of Noah and in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, pinpointed in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plains. Actually, there were four cities there, Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, all the cities by the Dead Sea. He rained fire and brimstone. They're, just, they're gone. You didn't see, there's no remnants of that. That's just gone. And the Lord did the same thing when he rained water upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and the water rose above the mountains until everything was dead. There was vice. There was violence. It says in Genesis 6, verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. In Noah's day, the earth was filled with violence. Everywhere you look, there was violence, and it was a place that was irredeemable. So man goes from innocence to the depths of depravity and then discovery number three, God is brokenhearted and has no choice but to judge. It says in Genesis chapter six and verse six, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. You know what it means when it says that God was sorry? That word sorry means to sigh. It means to breathe strongly. God, first it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, that God said... My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is but flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. God said, and then it says in verse five, God saw the wickedness of man was great. And then it tells us what God felt as he looked out. He was sorry. He breathed a sigh. He looked out upon wicked man and he went, <sighs> he breathed strongly. 
He was grieved in his heart. He had pain in his heart. And God is speaking in anthropomorphic language like, like he's a man and, and like he's a man looking out at, at the, the, his creation and he's just, ah, ah. Just so heavy in his heart that he sees all this stuff that in Genesis chapter one was very good. Now it is disastrous, and the earth is filled with wickedness off the chain, and it's filled with violence, and God is grieved over sin. Now, God is grieved over sin, it hurts him. Now, I want you to think about this if God is grieved when he looks out on the masses who did not know him, and he's grieved in his heart, it pains him in his heart to see them living sinful lives. How much more when he sees his own children, those who claim the name of Christ, and you're living a sinful life. God is grieved, he's hurt, it pains him in his heart. Scripture says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit who's given to you, who's your pledge of redemption. Don't grieve him, don't pain him. That hurts God. He's grieved over sin, and he's grieved when he's forced to judge. God has no choice but to judge this ancient world. Why does he have no choice? Because the world is irredeemable. He can't bring it back. They're not listening to him. Noah is called a preacher of righteousness. He preached for 120 years while he was building the boat. How many converts did he have? How many people did he have come forward when they sang for 120 years, just as I am? None, except his own family. Nobody listened to him except his own family. Ark's a big boat. There's room in the ark for people, but they didn't come. They didn't come. It's irredeemable. And so God has no choice but to bring judgment. Listen, the devil would want you to believe that God gets some kind of sadistic joy out of judging people. That God, long, he's just clapping his hands, rubbing his hands together and said, oh boy, now I get to whack them. Not God. He's grieved in his heart. He is sighing. And he said, there's nothing left to do. There's nothing left except judgment. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32, the scripture says, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. Now, there are three people, three classes of people in this room, three classes of people watching on television, listening on radio, on live streaming, three classes. You tell me which class you're in. Number one, there's the class, the lost person. Person that doesn't know Christ. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know about him in your head, but you've never entrusted your whole life to him. And you're here and the Lord is calling you. I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies. The Lord says, therefore, repent, turn from your wicked ways, come to me and live. And God is calling to you to come. You're a lost person. The Lord loves you and he wants to save you. Second class of people here today. You're a saved person, but you're a saved person who's grieving God because you're not walking with God. You're not pleasing God. You're not obeying God. You know you're not. You're living in sexual immorality. See, that's one of the, the marks of the, the, the days of Noah. You just don't care what God thinks about it. Let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And you say, well, who cares? Yeah, I'm living with my boyfriend, I'm living with my girlfriend. Yeah, we're not married, but who cares? It matters to God, it matters to God. And if you're living like that, you're grieving his heart if you know him. 
You're never going to grow in your relationship with him because you're not obeying him. And some of you are here like that. Whatever your, your sin might be, you're just giving over this little area of your heart. You have this pocket of rebellion, this pocket of sin. And you're holding it in there and you think, well, I can still walk with God. You can't. You're going to grieve him and he's going to sigh over you. Doesn't mean you're going to die and go to hell. If you really belong to him, you won't. But do you really want to live your life like that? Is that what you want to give to the Savior when you die and you stand before God and you say, well, God, I just blew you off my whole time as a Christian. But now, little children, the Bible says, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink back in shame at his coming. You don't want to be like that. There's a third group, third class. That's the person, not perfect, not doing everything right, but a desire in his heart, a desire in her heart to please God. And you're not grieving him, you're pleasing him. You're dealing with sin in your life, you're getting it out, and you're walking with him, you're spending time with him, you're saying, here I am, Lord, fill me, use me. I want to be the person you want me to be. God takes great pleasure in a person like that. Hey, I want to close with this question. When you look soberly within, is God pleased with you, or is he grieved over you? Perhaps you know that you're that second kind of believer Pastor Jeff Shreve talked about on From His Heart today. Jesus is indeed the Lord and Savior of your life, but your sin has caused you to feel distant from God. Well, He surely wants you to come back to Him today, to confess your sin and surrender your life to walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you know that right now, right this moment, you're not a child of God. Well, you can be. As you're listening today and you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way, won't you come to him now and sincerely cry out to him from your heart in genuine repentance and faith, turning from your sin and putting your faith in Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin? What a great blessing and comfort that will be in knowing that you are part of the family of God for now and for eternity. If you'd like to know more about how to surrender your life to Christ and what it really means, you can do so when you go to fromhisheart.org. Click the Why Jesus link right there on the home page. You'll find some free materials and downloads and some specific messages from Pastor Jeff that'll help you in your understanding of what coming to Christ really means. It'll be a blessing to you. Pastor Jeff Shreve is in his engrossing and transformational series this month called The Days of Noah. And in those days, Noah's Ark was mankind's only hope. There wasn't another place of safety. Although there was room for many people in the Ark, the Ark was a massive vessel. Only eight people got aboard and were saved. We face a similar situation today. The world is going the same way as it did in Noah's day. But in Jesus, God's Ark of Safety, we find the guaranteed only hope from coming judgment. This series, The Days of Noah, will open your eyes to condition you to what the world is doing today and how you can turn to God right now and find peace and comfort and the mercy of God. Both needed so much today. We're making this series, The Seven Days of Noah, our special gift of thanks for your support this month of any amount. And with that series, we'll also send you the timely booklet, Strong Faith for Tough Times, When the Impossible Meets God. Just ask for these resources when you make your gift online today at fromhisheart.org or call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE. 
and thank you for joining us today on From His Heart. I'm Larry Nobles, hoping that you'll be here next time when Pastor Jeff continues his timely and eye-opening series, The Days of Noah. Join us then when Pastor Jeff Shreve will open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart. Here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.